Welcome to Whisker Dice. Hey, yo, folks. I am your host, Sakonzi with the most. And today I am joined by Matt, the Ghost Walker, and Suzanne. This is episode 116 of the Whisker Dice Tabletop Gaming Podcast. And today is October 25th, 2023. On today's episode, we'll cover. The Whisker Dice 2023 Holiday Shopping Guide. We'll also catch up on the news. But first, let's roll into the games we have been playing. Okay, so our first game to talk about today of games we've been playing is called Dice Throne. This is a game that's been out for a bit. It has several seasons of heroes that you can purchase. So it's been out for quite a while. It's a pretty quick game that when you buy the small starter boxes, they're come set up to play with two players. But you can add these boxes together to have up to like six players play in this. You can mix, mix and match the heroes depending on what you like for play style or artwork or complexity or whatever um so it's really this great game that can expand uh to fit what you want i had not played it before i had been watching it and heard about it and said you know what i'm finally gonna just buy it actually really we were at the game store and Konzi said hey what are you gonna buy me and so I walked around <laughs> to find Not something me. that fit into the gaming budget that I had already spent and found, you know, a starter pack for of season one. So not the newest content for like 25 bucks at Noble Night here in the U.S. So that's how we got it. It was kind of a joke. but It was a joke. <laughs> it was. And Conzie loves Dice games. You roll a lot of dice in this game based on what you roll and potentially re-roll. You set up what type of attack or defense you can have with it. So it's all very random and push your luck a little bit with what you're going to try and get, whether you're going to have attacks or you're going to just kind of completely whiff. And, you know, that's just the basic of it is just rolling dice and seeing what you get. Now, like I said, it comes as a two-player in the initial very small starter box. And you can expand it. So you can either have um, 1v1, 2v2, 3v3, or you can like have like three for alls. Kind of make it however you want. And they have different ways you can adjust the rules for those different scenarios. When you get it, you open the box, and there's this nice organized tray in there that has everything that player needs so they just take it sit in front of them basic rules are the same for every player and you've got all your rule specifics and a nice uh, card that they have in there and it's just very easy to kind of follow along and learn what your strengths are the boxes when you get the starter boxes that have just the two characters on them they are adjusted so that you are they're, they're not compatible but they're what's the word <laughs> it's probably it's roughly equal. the same power right yeah. roughly equivalent power yeah yeah so one you know it's one is not going to automatically overpower the other hero in there we have played pyromancer and shadow thief and then also barbarian and moon elf which i also kind of picked up on a whim at a recent dragonfall gaming convention we were at it got played at Dragonfall. Yes. With the yeah, intention I was going to show Matt how to play it, and we were going to play, and then, lo and behold, we got joined by somebody else, and uh, I bowed out of that game, and, and they had fun with it. So And and then I um, taught it to another couple of players who stopped by. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I think we finally played our copy the other day, but... It has many, many heroes. There's even a Kickstarter out at the time of this recording that had 12 days left to go that uh, is for Marvel 
heroes and they have a dice thrown adventures which seems to be kind of D D themed heroes you know there's just lots of possibilities for me- meshing it up and everything and it's just a mm-hmm. fun for me it's a fun like game so i don't know matt you are thrown into playing it at Dragonfall. what did you think of the game i agree it was it's just kind of a fun light you know, other than, you know, I'm sure Ben will agree, my dice hate me. But other than that, I mean, really, you can have really good streaks where you roll a really great, you know, sequence of attacks or, you know, there, there's lots of things to do. Like you can add debuffs to people. You can add extra defense for yourself. You, I mean, it it was just kind of, I felt like it was just a round or two and then you could really kind of roll with it, you know, so it was it was fun from that perspective. You always had something that you could be doing, you know, so you never felt like you were completely stuck, you know, so you always could do some sort of attack or defense or, you you know, something. So like you said, it was quick, it was light, it was, you know, not a terribly long game to play, but something that you can kind of pull out as a great filler game to kind of, or I'm sure if you, you know, throw it as 3v3, it gets a little bit uglier, but yeah, but I think it's actually pretty quick as a 3v3, too. Like, there's, I was reading about it um, in research and getting ready for today's episode, and it seemed like it's pretty quick. It still takes less than an hour to play the 3v3. Yeah, that's so, pretty good. Yeah. There's yeah, not I'm not much sure if I'm going to rush to play a 3v3 anytime yeah. soon with it. I wouldn't mind, you know, maybe seeing a a 2v2, like maybe on a game night or something like that. But I think 3v3 is is maybe a little bit too much chaos for this game. Yeah, at least until you understand the multiplayer rules. I mean, it's it's definitely a solid two-player game. I mean, it's yep. it's something you can kind of pull out and just kind of be jamming through stuff. And yeah. what's kind of fun is we've had times where one character seems to just be not chipping away the health points of the other one, but just gobbling them. Like, you know, taking 10 plus each round, but yet the other character is just kind of slowly ramping up and then something will happen and they'll smash. Look, you know, they'll come out from behind and just smash the other character. And I don't know. I feel like they're kind of thematic too. I mean, that was really the case the last time we played with the Barbarian and Moon Elf mm-hmm. combo. Uh, and I was throuncing you with the Barbarian. And then all of a sudden, it was like, I was like, I don't know, 45 health points to your, like... Nine. Single digits. Yeah, nine. <laughs> yep. And then next thing I knew, I was down to, like, 20 health. And you had shifted, like, down to six. And then, yeah, I finally got... You know, either I wouldn't say it was a dice to roll my way, but between a lack of conditions that you had on me and getting anything off through your defenses, I was finally able to smash the moon elf. But that was after losing thirty plus hit points right. and being like, "Oh my goodness, am I going to actually lose this game after dominating the early early rounds?" Yeah. Yeah, Matt, did you play the Moon Elf? Is that who you were I, in your I matchup? Pl- I played the yeah, I played the Moon Elf. It was. Um... It seemed very much like the way Ben described it is like the moon elf was a little bit like up and down. Like they're like, I felt like I could throw some major defenses out and they would, but you know, the other player had to kind of keep chipping away at me and I didn't feel like I was hitting that hard. And then all of a sudden I'd have like a round where I'd crank off like 20 or 30 damage or something like that. And then, I mean, the barbarians a hard, hard nut to crack anyways, because they constantly can heal themselves too. But yeah. Um, no, it was it was it was a it was a fun matchup because to me it's like a puzzle. You're playing it as a bit of a tactical mind puzzle. I mean, yeah, it relies you on you rolling dice, so there is a bit of luck in involved, but it's still a tactical puzzle in your head to go, what abilities can I use that will either slow down the other party or do major damage to them or something? So yeah. Right. Yeah. It's good I'll from say, that angle. Yeah. I'll say when we also play the matchup of here between Conzie and I of Pyromancer and Shadow Thief. And I was a Shadow Thief. I really liked how the, you know, the theming of that. Because I did kind of feel like, oh, I'm sneaking around and hiding and having these surprise attacks. And, you know, I'm walking oh. in the shadows and he's just burning everything. Throw fire oh, yeah. at me. 
throw more all fire. damage all the time. Yep. Aromancer is by far my favorite character. I don't know who yeah. needs defense, who needs healing, just damage just throw and a fire. lot of it all the time. <laughs> Lots yeah. of damage. What? You hit everywhere. me? I'm going to hurt you back. There we go. Yep. So, anyway, that is our, th- our thoughts on Dice Throne, which published by Dice Throne. Next up on the list is Age of Innovation from Fewerland Spiel and Capstone Games here in the U.S. This game is best described, in my opinion, as Terra Mystica 2.0. This game has basically is a Terra Mystica engine game, so you're doing all of those things that you do in my favorite game of all time, which is terraforming lands with your various races and trying to score a bunch of points through advancing on a number of different tracks while building various different types of structures on the lands that you've terraformed to your home terrain and if that all sounds complicated yep it is indeed one of the crunchier games that we typically get to the table in age of innovation there are a number of major changes to the terra mystica engine that make this a very unique game. And for someone who already maybe owns Terra Mystica or any of the other Terra Mystica family games, you're probably asking, why do I want to buy this one instead of the ones I already own? And those different aspects are, I think, significant enough to really investigate getting this game. So the biggest, the biggest thing right off the bat that you notice is that there are seven player player boards and the player boards do not have factions associated with them so they're just a terrain type with some starting starting stuff and maybe some slight differences for the terrain type then there are i don't know like a dozen different factions or something like that something like that in the game what you end up doing is you can either draft the factions and draft the boards and stuff like that or what the game recommends is that you deal out all seven player boards and deal out seven random factions to those player boards and then deal out your starting passing tile to all of those boards as well. And then you let players in reverse player order pick the combination that they want to play, which I think is really interesting and really neat and really sets up the game. It takes up a lot of space, obviously to set the game up like that, but it gives a a, a very interesting decision right off the bat, which combination do I think is going to work out best for me uh, through the game and what's the the powers and whatnot. The other thing that this game has really added is it's added tomes. And of course, is the age of innovation. So the races and whatnot, there's still many classic fantasy races, but they've advanced. And they're further along than they were in Terra Mystica. Terra Mystica is more of a fantasy game. This is, you know, they're at the age of innovation, right? They're innovating things. So they added a tomes mechanic, which works fairly similar to, I guess, any, any of the other resources that you collect in the game. Except that to spend tomes, you're spending tomes to either get, like, a unlock special, additional special powers... Or unlock actions like like uh, very similar to a power action uh, in the game, where you can spend a certain amount of power to take that action spot. It's a one time you get things. So there's that ability that you can spend your tomes on, and then there's these additional tiles that you can purchase that are abilities that you'll that you'll add to your player board, and that will live with you through the rest of the game. And you can get up to three of those. It's a real interesting new mechanic to the game. It's another resource that you have to kind of manage and keep track of and think about how you're going to get. Uh, of course, just like all the Terra Mystica games, ultimately it's six rounds, and whoever has the most points at the end wins, which is why I, so far, have not won a game of Age of Innovation. I don't even know that I've been that close. So, Suzanne, I know you got a chance to play a two-player version of this game, and that's certainly an area that I think this game is able to shine and it has a two-player mode actually built into it that doesn't really change much in the game but definitely makes it i think a much better two-player experience than terra mystico ever was what did you think of it i liked this game for playing it as two players over terra mystica playing that one as two players because yes 
the changes they have made and the scaling they have done make it very enjoyable if you like the Terra Mystica feel uh, for it. I do like the theming on this game. It's a little easier for me to think through the combinations of the different factions that they have with it. Um, they're a, a little easier to follow what their special abilities are. So I definitely like that. There's, It's still a very complex game. There's still a lot to it. When I compare it to Gaia Project, I really like the space theme. But this one just seems like it's a little bit more accessible to a wider range of gamers. So, hey, someone doesn't really like area control. They can ignore area control potentially with this for to some extent and focus on other ways of winning or being successful. Uh, so for this, it just seemed like it was a better, it was a very much a mix of different gaming mechanisms on it. There's still something that I like with the base Terra Mystica when I'm playing it with more players that really makes you think when you play it. So, I don't know. Yeah, you, I, I'm still, you've only had a two-player game of it. Exactly. So. I've only had a two-player game of it, is what I was going to say. And I think I need to have a few more. It's one that I will not say no to playing at all, and I will enjoy playing it. And I think it's going to see a lot more table time at our house versus Terra Mystica simply because we can play it as a two-player. Yep, so. absolutely. I'm really excited to hopefully get it to the gaming table for one of our game nights this coming month. We've had kind of a lack of game nights at the house, which has made it a challenge to get it to the table and get it, get more players to playing it. But I'm hopeful that we can get this to the table you know, sometime in November where we can get more players playing and get a chance to get Matt to play and get his take on what if he thinks it, you know it's better or worse. The one big thing, like I said, it is much everything. There's so much more variability in this version of the game. Like the tiles you get for the temple tracks are always randomized on what you're going to get for them. So it's not necessarily like, oh, hey, I know that this one's always going to let me move just three three spots up on whatever track or, or whatever, you know, the uh, the tracks and the, the, te- the mm-hmm. technology tracks in this one. And it's not like, oh, hey, this, tra- this tile is always the one that I want to get right off the bat. It might not be because they might be in a position on the on that board because that's random at the setup at the start of the game too. So that, that might be on a spot on the, on the board that you get it from that you're like, oh, well, it's not quite as good because I don't get the tomes with it when I take that tile. Uh, so there's a lot, there's so much, I, I, re, I there's so much decision making here with this game that seems to be really new that in, and with a lack of plays under my belt, I, I certainly don't have like a, a favorite combination of character and terrain tile and who knows how often that might even come up, right? If right. you don't do a, a set draft or something like that of those at the beginning of the game, if you do it, if you set it up the way the book sets it, tells you to set it up, mm-hmm. which honestly I like. I, th- I think it prevents some of that. Hey, I'm gonna for sure take mountains with this character with this with this uh, character power because I know that's gonna be the best combination that when it gets to be my turn to pick. So. Where Terra Mystica feels like sometimes I feel like when I play that, especially when I bring it to the table, the factions and the boards are so set, and I play certain factions, played 30, 40, 50 plays of maybe that faction now, I'm very good with it. So I always feel like I have to penalize myself when... When picking, when going through the faction selection, but with Age of Innovation, I'm excited to get this one to the table again because I don't feel like I feel like I can just play, and mm-hmm. I don't have to try to hold back or or take a fa- take the bad faction or something like that. I'm just gonna play it like because everything's new and being discovered and everybody's discovering at the same time. Sure, somewhere along the line, maybe I get 50, 60 plays of this. Maybe that'll be different, but. Yeah, that is Age of Innovation from Fewerland Spiel slash Capstone Games. All right. So for all of these games that we've discussed today, please make sure to check out WiscoDice.com. And we'll have some links there. And while you're at it, 
please don't forget to leave a review of this podcast wherever you download podcasts. Next, let's roll into the news. And first up in the news is, of course, the conventions that Wisco Dice is going to be at. So we've got a number of conventions that we were able to be at this fall. In fact, it's been a crazy fall convention season uh, for us with conventions like Gen Con, Dragonfall, Gamehole Con. What else was in there, Suzanne? Strong Tower, right? Strong Tower, yeah. yeah. Strong Tower Gaming Convention. Um, We still have, as of this, we still have Protospiel Madison to attend. So lots of conventions, but that's not going to stop. We're going headlong right into convention season in 2024, starting with Midwinter Gaming Convention. That's going to be January 11th through 16th. That's going to be in the Milwaukee suburb area now. It's actually, uh, I think, a little closer to home than it used to be. It used to be downtown Milwaukee. Uh, so that did move. So if you are interested in Midwinter, make sure you look. Uh, and note the new convention center, where it's going to be, where it's located. It's free parking, so hey, that's a plus. Uh, and uh, that is January 11th through 16th, so check it out. It's a great convention with a great mix of board games and RPGs. Next up on the list is going to be Con of the North, and that's going to be February 16th to the 18th. Uh, and that is uh, up in the Minneapolis area. Uh, this is a great opportunity. There are a couple of, uh, larger publishers I noticed that are going to be in the vendor area, including our friends of the show, the sophisticated Cerberus gaming crew. And we're really excited. It sounds like we're going to be able to actually get a chance to play the stifling dark, uh, their first game with the, with that crew. And hopefully we can hang out and maybe get some great content from that event. And then, of course, Brian and I will be at Adepticon on March 20th and through the 24th, and that is in the Schaumburg. It's a northern suburb of Chicago. Uh, so this is a the a full-blown miniatures convention. There is some board gaming and open gaming that's there. There's actually a little bit of RPG play, as I understand it, there as well. But it's primarily a miniature game con first. It's distributed over across a couple of venues now uh, because it's gotten it's grown so much over the past few years. It'll be interesting to see where Adepticon goes next uh, when they decide to consolidate things maybe back in one venue. But uh, Adepticon is basically uh, the U.S.'s or one of the U.S.'s biggest miniature events. That in the Las Vegas Open. So if you're into miniature gaming at all. We definitely recommend you check out Adepticon March 20th, 24th. The last Friday of every month, remember, we also have a gaming night. It is at Misty Mountain Games around Madison, usually from 6 to 9 or 10. It really depends on uh, how many people we have there and what kind of games. It is in the month of November. It will be on November 24th, which happens to coincide with Black Friday. So after you've run out and you have worn yourself out from a day's worth of shopping, Come over to Misty Mountain, do your shopping there, get your gaming on. Yep, there should be plenty of Black Friday deals still available for you on great new games and titles. Moving on to crowdfunding, of course, don't forget you can check out our blog at wiscodice.com every Monday for Kickstart Monday. Uh, Justin's doing a great job of putting out articles every every week that keep you informed on two or more crowdfunding projects that are avail- that are out and available at the back. But I did want to mention, I happened to notice Nocturne uh, from Flat Out Games. I happen to like these abstract games quite a bit, and this one looks like it's quite, uh, going to be a neat abstract game as well. You know, there's there's some speed and some theming around it, but basically the way it's described is as a puzzly spatial bidding game with some set collection and uh, thrown in for good measure. So it looks like it's you know it doesn't look like it's a a horribly complicated game, but it's going to be one of those games you know hopefully that fits that niche like but does it differently like a game like Splendor or Azul or other, any of these other more abstract games that are really focused on doing uh, something that's, you know, just more mechanics-driven. So I'm really looking forward to that one, and look, I, I'm going to be happy to give that one a try when it gets it gets available to us. All right, and I think that gets us through the news. 
So, again, if you have any crowdfunding projects that you'd like us to talk about either on the show or on Kickstart Monday, please send us an email at hosts at wiscodice.com. Hey, folks, this is the Conzie of the Most. I just wanted to take a moment to tell you about Misty Mountain Games here in Madison, Wisconsin, where you can find CCGs, RPGs, board games, minis, paint and hobby supplies for your all of your tabletop gaming experience and needs. If you can't find it online, give them a phone call or swing on by their brick-and-mortar store uh, here on the east side of Madison. Don't worry, that is MistyMountainGames.com. Check them out today. All right, and we are back. And so every year about this time, we try to tackle a little bit of guidance, a little bit of fun, a little bit of cheer in the air as as we help you get some direction as towards gifts that you might not have otherwise thought of for your gamer friends. Whether that is just, you know, maybe you know, your best friend is a gamer or you got a kid or other, you know, family member that's a gamer or maybe you're a gamer and you're not sure what to tell other people to get you hopefully this gift giving guide will be of uh, some use for you so we try to do it every every year about this time of the year uh, just to make sure that uh, it gets out to hit all of the happy holiday season uh, wherever you are and whatever you uh, decide to give people gifts for so with that, uh, you can send your gifts straight to me. You know, I'm happy to take gifts as well. Uh, or, you know, if you like just sending a gift to Whiskodice, uh, just send us an email host, at hosts at whiskodice.com. We're happy to take all of the gifts as well. Uh, <laughs> I want to go ahead and get things kickstarted uh, kick off here with a game uh, that I think is a great game for... Uh, the more artistic gamer friends in your in your group, and this game plays uh, from one to a hundred players, so it can be played solo as well as being able to play basically as many people as you have pencils and maps to hand out to. And that is Cartographers from Thunderworks Games. This is a game that's been out for quite some time now, for a few years, anyways but is still a very popular game and is available everywhere. It is a great smaller box game, so it's a perfect for a stocking stuffer and certainly won't break the bank. Of course, if, if your uh, gamer friend already has cartographers, you can get them cartographers heroes, which is uh, basically the, uh, very, the same game, basically with just some extra mechanics for heroes added on. So that is... My first pick for the holiday gift-giving guides. Suzanne, what do you got? I'm going to actually add on to Conzie's thing real quick, is that if you have have cartographers, there are map packs out there that you can get them new maps to play with. So there is that, too, besides just other games. I would start with uh, some gaming accessories. If you're not sure what someone has, a dice tower is always a lot of fun. And those of you who see our YouTube videos have probably seen my new dice tower. Well, new to me this year, dice tower. And it's a crystal, called a crystal dice tower, but it's these nice pieces of plastic that make a wonderful clicky, clicky sound as you roll the dice through them. And they're clear, so it's really fun to look at. So I would say grab a dice tower for someone and annoy your relatives as you roll dice down it. You know, while they're around, but it's so it'll be fun forever. Matt, what do you have on your list? So my first suggestion is think about, you know, whether it be yourself and you're kind of come up with a suggestion or maybe it's your uh, your friend that, you know, uh, think about like organization, you know, sitting at the table. Could you get them something like something to help them organize the bits? Like we a lot of the board games we play have some sort of thing that we have to put on the table and you know as much fun as is having a pile of them laying in the middle of the table maybe you can get a cool bits organizer uh so could be small silicon trays that you can get offline or some there are some really cool ones produced by different companies so think about that something that might look good on the table or at least keep the table a little cleaner while you're playing yeah 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 those uh those little rubber cups that we have absolutely great idea but yeah, there's always a mess. So anything you do to help keep 
random comp- components and supplies together. Absolutely agree. That's a great idea, Matt. It's also great, especially if you have a smaller gaming space, like smaller gaming table, so you can differentiate what is your resources versus someone else's versus the pool of resources. So yeah. it just it just is a so helpful. Or if you were like Suzanne, you'd have every little bit in its own bin. <laughs> I'm rolling my eyes at him for those of you who can't see me right now. Yep. All right. <laughs> Next up, I'm a big fan of really cool gaming art in the gaming area. And particularly like sculptures of various things have started to become a thing that we are collecting. And one of my favorite sculptors of cool gaming room art is David Lee Pancake. If you have seen a picture of our Dragon Bust Slither, or you wonder who the person is that makes those vents with the little baby dragons popping through those vent covers, that is David Lee Pancake. And so he's got a number of really cool sculptures available to purchase. And support a great artist uh, like that is always a good case. And in this particular case, I'm recommending you buy some sculptures, sculptures from David Lee Pancake. So mine is not as lofty and as exciting as having dragons adorning your walls, which I do enjoy. My next thing would is going along back to the dice. Dice rolling on a hard surface, they tend to bounce. You don't think dice can bounce? You have not rolled enough dice. I like having dice trays. And you can get some really cool looking dice trays, which, yeah, so if you're going to say, oh my gosh, Suzanne, you have a dice tray you use for BMG that the dice just fly out of okay test it out most game stores will let you test out the dice trays get people a cool looking dice tray that they can have and think of you on their table matt what else do you have (laughs) no that's a great idea you know ben mentioned uh gaming for you know art for the sculptures and stuff like that you know, there are so many cool places you can get art for the walls as well. Um, obviously, you know, ideally, if you have the opportunity, attend a convention, uh, get a chance to meet the artists and and ex- maybe even have them sign it in, in person. That's probably not an option this late in the year. But, you know, there's a lot of great places you can get art online for, you know, the there could be their favorite game or whatever, uh, you know, or just they love the fantasy theme or, you know. Suzanne's our resident I love outer space person. So, uh, you know, I love a good sci-fi as well. So, um, you know, you can look at places like Display if you want like a metal ones or there's plenty of framed art places as well. So find your favorite artist, find your favorite whatever, you know, or if they if you're the person you're buying for has a favorite artist, you know, get them something, maybe a little bit of art they could put on their wall in their gaming area to spruce it up. Some of us have the more traditional hardcore board gamer in, in in your lives. And maybe they own most of the games out there. Maybe they don't. Maybe they maybe they love the big crunchy Euro games. And for those gamers, if they don't already have it, I recommend Barcelona from Board and Dice. This is a game we haven't actually gotten to the table yet, but it's sitting in the collection, but it has been highly talked about in the board game community and is a very, from all appearances, very crunchy, very thinky Euro-style game that we are very excited to get to the table. And, of course, it's from my favorite, one of my favorite publishers in Board and Dice. So I definitely think that's one that's going to be under a few gift trees this year. So if you have that hardcore board gamer, that's a game you probably want to look at and is available at your favorite friendly local game store today for purchase. Well, so if you got that game and you want to add something to it, or you have a favorite game or you know someone has a favorite game, a nice thing to get for them is a game organizer. So not the that you sit on the walls, not the bookcases, but it's an insert that keeps everything nice and neat. So when it's right time to play, you just open the box and you take the pieces out and you don't have a million plastic bags. So I don't know. Game organizers are always lovely. Yeah. And they do make some very nice specialized ones for each individual, like for certain oh, yeah. games. 
Lost Ruins of Arnok has some great organizers for it. So is that is that a hint that we need to get ours organized? No, I'm <laughs> just saying. I just remember they had one. So yeah, so, I've been looking for one that holds all the expansions. But you know, we, what do you have? We, so so we here obviously support a lot of different things, board games, etc. If the person in, in who might be a board gamer but also loves RPGs, you know, and loves to sit and sit at the table, you know, maybe you think about getting them a, a you know a special mini for their favorite character that they play and they love to talk your ear off about. You know, you could go to your friendly local game store. They have a lot of minis usually uh, available through many different publishers who uh, make miniatures either for Dungeons and Dragons or other games that you might play with. So think about that. Think about maybe getting them a special mini or, you know, there are some places you can even order online and customize it and do all sorts of cool things. All right, so I'm going to play off that uh, because I didn't actually think of putting RPGs on here, but uh, from an RPG perspective, you can always pick them up additional adventures or supplements, especially if they're a, a game master or GM. And, of course... That would lead me to one of my favorite third-party publishers for Dungeons & Dragons 5e products, and that is GUI Cube. So getting them any of the cool GUI Cube adventures, they're easy for GMs to set up. They have a lot of included pictures of environments, of characters, plenty of role-playing notes and instructions to help the GM get through the prep work quickly and be feel like they're prepared when they run sessions with a GUI Q product. So make sure, you know, if you have that RPG player, that Dungeons and Dragons player, uh, especially if they're doing some dungeon mastering, that's a, that's a, you know, place where you can get them a, a product that, uh, and they have on some, a holiday adventure actually, that would be perfect to put under the tree for them and give them this holiday season. So I am not, very much into rpgs but one thing i do appreciate when i see them and also and this goes with the gooey cube uh components also is that it's a very immersive experience board gaming at times does not always feel that immersive you have the little round wooden cube for coal and or sorry for wood and the black one for coal so what can you do for the board games to make it more immersive, you get special upgraded components. So you get little pieces of coal that look like coal. And you can find this kind of everywhere. There's lots of different websites if you search for it. Etsy, pick what you like in your price range and what you think either looks cool or goes with games that you have. And just have these upgraded components. And it is even something as simple as chain, metal coins that you can use in multiple games. It just changes it. So grab some upgraded components and gift them to people, and they will want to play with you all the time. You can honestly then t- say that you got somebody a lump of coal and a bunch of hickory sticks for Christmas. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever the holiday might be. Yes. Matt, you got anything else on your list I, you suggest? I do. So sticking in the RPG realm, you know, many people have their favorite setting or, or place. You know, think about I, you know, looking for map art, et cetera, that maybe is from their favorite setting. Or even uh, sometimes they might have an adventure and have a really cool map. Maybe get them a frame for that map so they can have it up on the wall when they're having their uh, setting, uh, their people over to, to play. So many people love their settings and just having something cool that they can kind of have on the wall. You know, like I said, oh, lots of different places you can get the art and stuff that goes with those specific settings that they might be their favorite. So that would be really cool. That would be something I think we need to think about, Conzi, because we're we have a lot of dragons in our basement right now on the walls. Well, we had we had the the old previous game room, if you don't forget, the mm-hmm. map of Icewind Dale that would go up with the yep. uh, campaign that I I am currently running and it is near the conclusion. That was up on the wall, and that did look really cool, and it was awesome. So, yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Having maps like that helps, especially if you have a a little bit more of a themed room, definitely helps uh, make that theme set in a little bit more, like you're in some fantasy location or whatnot. So, for the miniature gamer, you could get them more miniatures for whatever game they are, and 
probably that they're into, and probably it's very likely they already have those miniatures. Or you may get them miniatures that they don't necessarily want. Or you have to query them to try to figure out what miniatures they want so that you can get the right ones. And so purchasing miniatures for a miniature gamer can be very challenging. But I'm going to tell you that Battletech, a game that's been around forever, has a great two-player starter that is perfect for a, even a seasoned Battletech player who already has this to be like, hey, that's awesome, because they'll be able to use the mechs in the kit, in the set. And that is Battletech, a game of armored combat, the mid-level starter set for for that game. Around, uh, runs around $50, I think, US or whatever. And it is... Absolutely a brilliant little starter set, plenty of mechs in it, plenty of ma- you know maps for if they're new to Battletech to learn how to play. It t- you know, definitely takes you through takes them through that. But if it's but even if they have Battletech already, it'll be a great, you know, a great addition for them to have some duplicate mechs or add to their mech collection so they can play the game uh, some more. That is Battletech, a game of armored combat from Catalyst Games. So, hint, hint, Cozy, that sounds like a great thing to get your wife for Christmas. Or her birthday, but, or because Battletech. Battletech uh, Max. <laughs> yep. So, I am going away from RPGs and away from miniatures right now. Mine is looking at a game that is great if you have a family of gamers and you want something to do during, like, extended school break or have an ongoing activity that the family works together to create is my island so some of you may have previously played my city my island is the new version of that game it ramps up into playing of the game a little bit quicker it does not quite start out quite as basic and the instead of squares that form the, the polyomial tiles are i believe there are hexagons this time so there's some different that way. And you're creating this island so that each player will have a unique game board that you can reuse for other family game nights. I would just suggest checking that out. And it's a very friendly family, family friendly game. Nice. Like I said, kind of wrapping up my thoughts in the RPG space. So if you've got somebody who's really into RPGs or they might be, as Ben said, they might be a dungeon master looking to enhance the experience for their uh, players. Uh, you could look at, there are a lot of different dungeon mapping softwares, and these are typically for people that maybe are creating their own dungeons, or some people like to do digital displays, so they'll have like a, a, a digital display on the wall, and this might give them an opportunity to enhance that experience for their players so they can actually show them, this is what the dungeon is, and some of them are really neat, so, but like, Similar to one of Suzanne's suggestions, a lot of different budget options there. So look at something that's maybe your budget option. You might even want to talk to the DM to figure out if there's something they specifically want. Because there are some modules and adventures that are released in specific, um, they release their maps in specific software. So uh, something to think about. Like I said, some some DMs might like think about it, but just wouldn't spend it on them on their own. Take the opportunity and get them a subscription or buy them the software for Christmas. So, Of course, if you're like most of us, you've got a bunch of family members. And uh, that means you're probably looking at some family games. Maybe a game that you want to get the kids, or you maybe you want to be able to broach the generations. And the game that we're going to talk about for that, or at least the one I'm going to talk about for that, is Disney Lorcana. This is a collectible card game that is really for two or more players. Each player builds a deck of cards. There's starter decks out that, that looks like are going to be available just in time for the holiday season in retail, as well as card packs. Cards come in various rarities, and there's some rules for creating those decks. But just taking a couple of those starter decks as gifts could be a great afternoon of gaming experiences with the younger generations as they experience and explore their favorite Disney characters on these cards 
battling it out to see who can be the greatest whatever lore master in the game. That is Disney Lurkana from Ravensburger. Hopefully available at your friend, your favorite friendly local game store sometime soon. So another game that is great to get your hands on and play. Hopefully it's a little bit easier to get than uh, the mad rush that may be for the next wave of Lorcana, though is Planet Unknown by Adam's Apple Games. And this has been out for a little bit, but it is still like top in the charts of favorite games. It was nominated for one of the Spiel de Jahres awards this year. In this game, you are terraforming a planet. Everyone can have the same planet they're working to terraform or an asymmetrical planet. And you have these different shaped tiles on this Lazy Susan in front of you that rotate. You pick one, you place it, you move up different technology tracks or other tracks to build your society, get different points, and then you rotate and repeat. So it seems very simple. But as you get into some more advanced maps, it can get much more complicated. So it's one of these great equalizer games. Also, if you play with some hardcore gamers and you play with others that are maybe more of a casual gamer, you just pick the, you know, the map that's appropriate for what you enjoy and what your skill level is. So that is Planet Unknown by Adam's Apple Games that I would suggest picking up. Do you have any other games there, Matt? Um, I don't have a specific game. I mean, I, there are a few that we've we've purchased over the years, but it's kind of in that same theme, board games for kids, or you maybe you have kids in your own family, or you know you have nieces and nephews, and you really want them to experience the joy that you've gotten out of board games, but you don't want to pick them up the traditional sorry monopoly, whatever clue. Uh, you know, go buy your friendly local game store. You know, we found games like Bananagrams, Dragonwood. There are kid-friendly versions of maybe your favorite game. Maybe you love Ticket to Ride. Maybe you love Carcassonne or some other games. Sometimes there are kid-friendly versions of those games um, where you can kind of introduce them to the game, depending on their age. And then you can take that opportunity later when they're coming up and they're like, oh, there's a, there's a bigger version of this game when they come to your house and you can expose them to that. So uh, don't be afraid to go by that friendly local game store, ask them for help. A lot of those people behind the counter love to talk about this stuff, would love to make suggestions, say the kids love this. And then, you know, if you're like not wanting to get into Lorcana or things like that, they will always have good suggestions for you. Yes. There are lots of good games there. I actually had also a, specific very friendly kids friendly game that has won awards this year and it's new it's called mysterium kids very much like the mysterium that most of us know and love where you are a psychic trying to solve this mystery the murder in this mansion and you have these clue cards this is a version that's totally geared toward kids should be a ton of laughs and fun and it has your kids have to work together to solve it and to win the game so this is definitely not one that's like it should not be pitting your kids against each other so if you want to make them you know work together this is a great game for that i just i'm well, full of ideas i guess right now so real quick apparently you just want to give away a whole lot of you want people to buy lots of things i want everyone to be spreading the love of gaming this year to end out 2023 go into 2024 with just new games and new accessories for games so earth has been out for i think it's been out for a year now it is an engine building card game it's been described as the next iteration of wingspan and it is similar where you're kind of just building your own machine but you are having all different types of plant life, of fungi, of, you know, you got trees growing and, and different types of climate. So there's a learning aspect to it if you want to read the cards. There's the, hey, I need to fill in my tableau with the right items. That is great, a great middleweight game for people to get to play. 
if you know some people just getting into gaming and you're like, ooh, what's the next level up? They they've mastered Ticket to Ride. What else can we get them? Get them Earth. Play it with them. The box is huge. It's got so much content in it. You can keep playing it. Now, if you are into party games or have get-togethers where you want to bring a game for people to play and you also like to have good discussions, I would suggest trying out Agree to Disagree. This game is, uh, I believe, by Adam's Apple Games. And it is their first cooperative game and their first party game. I don't know if it's not really cooperative, is it? (laughs) It is, but it isn't. You need to come up with statements that others at the table will disagree with. So you are trying to work together to match up with people who don't agree on a topic, on a statement. So anyway, it's a great game to get you thinking and get you talking. So if you're looking for a new party game, check out Agree to Disagree. And that is the end of my list. All right. Well, that gets us through all of our holiday gift guide. What a list. There are many things there that you can look to add to your shopping list for your gamer. Ian, uh, that is in mind for this year. Of course, don't forget, Wisco Dice, of course, would appreciate all of the holiday gifts sent to us. So you can just email us at hosts at whiskodice.com with your gifts or at least your feedback about this year's holiday gift-giving guide. Uh, we did talk about the news and all of the conventions that we're looking to hit in 2024, at least at the first quarter, of course. Last but le- definitely not least in today's episode, we cover the games we've been playing, including Age of Innovation and The Dice Throne. And with that... We're going to go ahead and wrap today's episode up. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you leave a review of this show wherever your favorite place is to find podcasts. Oh, and by the way, give us a like on our Facebook page. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest while you're at it. If you haven't looked recently, make sure you catch up on the blog at wiscodice.com. Hey, Brian, what's that site? Oh, darn. I forget. Uh, Justin, what's our website again? Whiskodice.com. That's right. It's whiskodice.com. And until next time, everyone, peace out.